on my journey is uh, my wife and I struggle with infertility mm. and we've been struggling with that for 10 years and, and I've been pretty open about it. I'm, I'm generally a pretty open person, but I mean, I think we've, I, we've literally lost count of the number of uh, pregnancies that we've lost and miscarriages that we've had and uh, rounds of IVF that we've done, which it definitely takes a stroll. And, and I would say it definitely changed me as an individual, like the person I was 10 years ago, the person I am today have been greatly impacted by that, that personal impact. You're gonna face adversity in all different types of ways. So there's not one type of tip that I can give you. I mean, the first thing that I tell you is just breathe, like just focus on your yeah, breath, yeah, like yeah. just bring it in and like bring everything in. And then, you know, another good tip is like, you know, is this gonna matter in one minute, 10 minutes, a year or a month or whatever, 10 years? And like, where does it stop? If this doesn't matter in 10 minutes, then why are you worried about it, you know? But if this is something that's gonna affect you for 10 years, then yeah, you put more energy and time into it. The whole the whole experience of Beard Brand is like, when I grew my beard, I finally felt like I was myself. Mm. I finally felt like I was the person I was meant to be. All this other time I was like in the shadow or I was, you know, doing something because society wanted me to be a certain way. And it was through growing a beard and then subsequently through grooming that beard, right? And investing in that beard that my life turned around. I, you know, I wouldn't say that the life was in a bad spot. It was always in a pretty good spot. think that's like an identity? Like it was almost like your identity that you was kind of hiding away from and then you become that person? Yeah, and it, so, so, yeah, exactly. Like this is who I am now. Like I've got facial hair, whether it's short or long, like I, I view myself as a bearded guy, but, but with that confidence, through that grooming, um, I've been able to to achieve great things, and and I, because that was so imp impactful to, for me, like Beard Brand was always about united the community. It was never about like how do I sell products or how do I make money or mm -hmm. you know what's the opportunity on Amazon. It was like we want to foster confidence through grooming. So welcome to another episode of Behind the Real. I'm joined by Eric Banholtz. He's got terrible jokes. Yeah, yeah, no, they're not terrible. <laughs> they're great. And um, this is going to be another episode where I'm going to find out a little bit more about Eric, why he started his channel. You've just hit a million. Yeah, yeah, my fists are just destroyed. And we've just been for tacos and he's been recognized as well. So do you feel like a celeb? Yeah, I'm on cloud nine. I'm on <laughs> cloud nine. But let's just start. So how did you um, how did you get into, did you start on YouTube predominantly? Yeah, so uh, Beard Brand um, happened after I grew my beard out for a while. And uh, I was in this business professional environment. And what happened is I... Uh, um, Got called ZZ Top, Grizzly Adams, Duck Dynasty, who are all cool dudes, but I'm not, like, I'm not that dude. Yeah. So I attended this event where I met other guys like me, and that's when I got the inspiration for what to call me, which is Urban Beardsman. And then uh, what I wanted to do was create a community to unite Urban Beardsmen and give them the tools they needed to feel confident yeah. about not just growing their beard up, but being themselves. And uh, that was 2012 that we launched the YouTube channel on a Tumblr page. And the business itself has just grown and gone from strength to strength. How many employees do you have? Yeah, so we're up to, to 15 employees uh, located in Austin, Texas. And, you know, we're working hard to, to grow as, as much as possible and cool. push the limits. And if, if we can, we spoke a little bit at breakfast about um, what you did before. Yeah. And you said you had many failed businesses. <laughs> 
Um, and I could relate to that as well. So talk about some of them. Was that a purely just you trying to maybe start a business? Yeah, you know, like uh, it's easy to, to fail a business when you don't know what you're doing. And those early businesses, I, I had no clue. You know, it was just like I would read, you know, four-hour work week with Tim Ferriss or Rich Dad, Poor Dad with uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start a business. And the dopamine for me was, you know, starting a business. Mm. It wasn't building a successful business. So I would, you know, I would go to the, the, the state and get my official paperwork and open up the bank account and have the, the company name, the company website. And I was like, all right, I started a business. Like, that was the goal. Yeah. And let me tell you, starting a business is frankly pretty easy and it, it doesn't do anything for you. Why do you think, why do you think you, that, was, that was what you was doing? Was it, I mean, it's, it's, was it just the chase of starting a business and... Yeah, you know, like I've, I've always been entrepreneurial and I've always yeah. wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, I just I didn't know how to do it. Like I, I had no like mentors in my life to, to kind of guide me on what to do. And, um, you know, I was just kind of learning and trying things and, and making mistakes and, you know, trying to do it by myself. And subsequently, like nothing, nothing got any traction ever. I think like, you know, one business I sold like two hundred dollars worth of product and, mm -hmm. You know, another business was was just ex exchanging time for money, and I made like twenty thousand um, dollars when I could be working for someone making sixty or a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And then another one, I, I literally worked as an executive recruiter for about a year, and I made nothing. I just like sat on the phone calling people, and nothing at all. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm seeing with you know even you know speaking to to Aaron and other influencers is they've had a lot of past failures in a way, oh, yeah. and. I think again, a lot of people might just see an influencer and say, "Oh, they've always been successful, or they're, they're, they've always been this person." Yeah. And again, it's like stripping it all the way back and seeing the kind of process that you've had to go through to get to where you are. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about like mental health. You know, it's like sometimes I, do I view myself as as that person, right, who didn't really know what they're doing and constantly wasn't successful and wasn't able to launch things. And you know, clearly, I've I've had success with Beard Brand, but if I were to start something else, would I have that same success or not, you know, or yeah. would it be, you know, another project that just kind of flutters away? Yeah. So how long did it take you to kind of see success? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I was born in 81 and then Beard Brand was successful in uh, what I'd say 2014. So what is that? 33 years. Yeah. It took me. You're not that old. Yeah, I was born in 81. Oh, it's the beard. Yeah. Hey, it's the grooming products over yeah. at beardbrand.com. <laughs> and um, in kind of, you know, we do have this judgment of influencers that, you know, some of them are selling out or oh, yeah. um, that their lives are perfect. Uh, would you say your life is perfect right now? Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, like, uh, we have challenges. So one of the things that we talked about uh, on my journey is uh, my wife and I struggle with infertility. Mm. And we've been struggling with that for 10 years. And, and I've been pretty open about it. I'm, I'm generally a pretty open person but I mean I think we've I, we've literally lost count of the number of uh, pregnancies that we've lost and miscarriages that we had and uh, rounds of IVF that we've done which it definitely takes a stroll and, and I would say it definitely changed me as an individual like the person I was 10 years ago the person I am today have been greatly impacted by that, that personal impact and um but I, I mean, for me, it's like a lot of that's out of my control. But, you know, my wife, she handles it differently. And, and I'm with my wife until I die. So it's like, you know, her pain and her suffering 
through this journey is also my pain and suffering. So I just have to, to kind of be there as well uh, in my own way. Yeah. And is when when you was going through those that period of, of not being able to, 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 to have a baby, was you was there ever a time that maybe you, you were scrolling through social media or seeing someone with with a baby and you know using that to almost beat yourself up in a way? Oh well, I mean, for me, you know, I, I kind of like uh, I'm I'm inspired by a lot of lessons from like Buddhism and, and control, and it's like no kids, you know, one kid, three kids, you know, hundred kids, adopted kids, you know, dogs, whatever it is. Like I can find joy and mm. love in that. Like so, for me it's not that big a deal. And, and when my friends get pregnant, even now, I'm really excited for them. I'm really excited that, that they embark on that journey. But for my wife, it was not the case. Like she would scroll through the feeds and, you know, she, like, of course you have to put on this front that you're excited when deep down inside, like you want it, you know, and, and it hurts. So, you know, to a certain degree, like I almost had to, to mask my excitement for my friends who were getting pregnant because I knew it would hurt my wife's, uh, uh, feelings and not not so much hurt her feelings but it's not yeah. the things that she wanted to be exposed to at that time yeah and and i think we we're all quite guilty of that <laughs> a lot of us where if we're having a problem in our relationship you know we're scrolling through and we're seeing you know relationship yeah. goals and these happy couples and, and in reality you know that isn't the reality that isn't yeah. essentially telling the full picture and and do you think that's something that we need to personally deal with or do you think it's something that social media needs to deal with i mean it's i i think as the viewers on the other side of this this camera you've got to understand that you know the the, the content you consume is ultimately your responsibility and you're in control of that and what you want to take out of that content is out out for you so if you want to believe that everything you see on on social media is real and 100 percent of what happens then, you know, maybe that's your fantasy time, right? Mm -hmm. Then maybe that's a way for you to escape and, you know, like how I like to watch Game of Thrones, you know, yeah. like I know, you know, it's not real, but it kind of like, it helps me on my own little path. But if if you have the expectation that it is real um, and then you're not leaving in this life and it's drawing you down, then I think it's important for you to, to invest in yourself and your content. But I don't really know where I'm going with that. But other than like, yeah, yeah, no. I, I don't think there should be this intent pressure to show the real, you know, like people who create need to create for whatever reason. It's almost like the news is always very negative, isn't yeah. it? And it's up to us whether we watch the news or we don't watch the news. Or if we watch the news, how we take the news, like yeah. do we let that affect us or not? So, yeah, I agree. I think it's mostly down to the individual and, yeah. and what we're consuming on social media. With your content, are you quite authentic with your content? Do you feel like you're being yourself or do you feel like sometimes you might put on a front to... I would like to think that the, the person is, is pretty true. Uh, I, I think there are times when like I feel this pressure to create content and in that pressure, I'm actually more like reserved or serious mm. than I am in person. Like you see me around at networking events and I feel like how I am this weekend and how I am around you guys and telling jokes and kind of shooting the I shit. never know whether he's being serious <laughs> or whether he's like about to tell a joke. Yeah, yeah, nobody does, right? There's a penguin involved or whatever, <laughs> I know he's joking. Yeah, if there's an animal coming up or a dinosaur. Are you like that in your content? Are you, you come across as, yeah. Yeah, I think like every once in a while I'll kind of like drop a couple jokes here and there and I don't think like, 
you know, part of my 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 ability to to bring humor into the world is like to tell really bad jokes, <laughs> and where people don't know if is he serious or not. And that to me, that's the humor of life. When yeah. I'll go to a waitress and I'll say something like completely asinine, like uh, you know, like let's say the the the, the coffee was like seven seventeen. I'm like, oh, that was the year I was born, and it's just like completely like random thing. And then she's like. And you've got a certain tone of voice, as you say it, as yeah. well. Yeah, very deadpan, like, just, <laughs> yeah. like, direct. And probably, like, that's my lucky number. And it's, like, some weird number. And Do you find that helps you, like, being humorous and having a bit of fun and not being so serious? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, yeah, I've, I've always kind of been, like, the, the goofy kid, I think. And uh, I don't know. I think life's too short to be serious. And I can feel, like, there's, there's certain things, like, business does take a, a, an emotional toll on me. Like, I think it does almost bring like an over seriousness of myself and, and not everyone sees it. So like one of my quarterly goals is like every day I want to go to work happy and, and I want them to, I want the team to kind of see like, this is who I am. Like I'm a happy person and you know, I like to tell jokes and shoot the shit and have fun. Yeah. And, and it's okay to have fun, you know, like life doesn't have to be entirely seriously. Yeah. And, and how about, so how old are your She's one? five. Five. So what's her name? Eleanor. And so you've got your dad, your husband, you run a business, you create content. There's so many different, you know, versions of you. Yeah. How do you find balance now? Yeah, I mean, that's always been a, a tough challenge. Like, am I, and I think this was a talk I had a lot over this weekend is like, you know, uh, my wife wants my time, my child wants my time, my business wants my time, and I want my time for, for my own health. And like, how do I find that balance? And you know, I, you know, I was raised in a Catholic family, so I have like that Catholic guilt of, you know, am I giving everyone mm. their appropriate amount of time? And, you know, like, uh, and my business partners, you know, am I giving my business partners like uh, the energy into the business that I feel like is, is what the business deserves? So it's one of the things that I would honestly say, I, I don't know if I've solved it, you know, like, I, I, I don't know if I've found that balance. And, and um, do you think balance exists, though? This is what I was I mean, thinking to myself the other day because I, I have a you know similar issue in a way of am I you know being a good husband am I being a good dad am I doing enough work on the business yeah and you know I almost thought does balance actually exist I, th I think it does but there's sacrifice yeah you know there's sacrifice and balance you know so like for me you know been married 12 years and and uh, I would feel like that our marriage is pretty strong at this point uh, with everything that we've gone through and committed to her and you know it's been faithful 12 years as well which I think uh, is pretty challenging as well and uh, you know my my daughter definitely has a closer relationship with our her with my wife mm. her mom because I feel like my wife has put so much more into you know that role of the mother versus my role as a father but yeah. so I feel like to a certain degree I, I feel like you know, I didn't do the best job as a father because my daughter always prefers to go to my my wife, you know, and, and or, you know, is that just who she is, you know, as a daughter and she just likes her mom. And is that, is that quite hard? Like, wife? Yeah, it's, it's hard for me because I'm I'm like, a, I'm like, a, do you know the five love languages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, quality time's high on me, which is great. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, my wife and I are on that. And then like touch is like my one of my high ones as well. And, uh, you know, like my daughter's not really a touchy feely girl and my wife, she's, she's an acts of service is, yeah. is her thing. So like, 
that's the one love language where, granted, like quality time's number one. So if I'm getting that, that's great. But uh, you know, like the whole like not having my 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 daughter come and hug me when I come home from work. You know, like I see that all the time, and I don't really get that, which kind of sucks. But mm. you know, I, I if I try to force a hug onto her as well, that's not a good situation either. Yeah, and I think it's it is difficult, isn't it? You know, because as well. Someone said, you know, be a good dad by what you do, not by what you say. And I think, you know, as maybe she gets older and I'm hoping as my boys get older that maybe they see that you're doing something that is very purposeful and you're driven. And, you know, that's a way of, um, you know, being a parent as well as being there and sort of nurturing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I know I'm not a bad dad, right? I I don't hit on my... I I believe in a philosophy called peaceful parenting. So any of the parents out there who want to explore how they may be able to, to to interact with their children better. Peaceful parenting is essentially a way to communicate through empathy and, and understanding rather than through rewards and punishment. Mm. And uh, it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. There's natural consequences to everything. Like if my daughter's terrible to me, she doesn't get access to me. Mm. It's just as simple as that. If you're going to talk to me rude and with disrespect, I'm sorry, I'm just going to block you off. Mm. And then when you're able to communicate nicely, like there's no time frame. It's not like you're punished for 12 minutes because you talk rudely to me. You just don't have access to me until you can talk nicely. Mm. So if you fix it immediately, then you so it creates respect almost. Yeah, yeah, and and then it, ideally it helps them learn that there there's consequences for actions, and like it doesn't create this like uh, in a like uh, in a perfect world it doesn't create this conflict between like a parent child kind of relationship yeah, yeah. where it's like do it as I tell just because I'm the parent. Which I want my daughter to learn how to think for herself and, you know, understand things for herself. But at the same time, I'm not perfect. Like, every once in a while, it's like, do you want ice cream? You know, like, yeah. go flush the toilet or it's whatever It's a really good it point, actually. I've never thought of it that way. And I was just thinking about, you know, my mom. And um, she was she was never strict. She was always, you know, me and my brother was her whole world. And and there was one time where um, I got caught smoking. Yeah. And I was really, really young. And as soon as she found out, um, she just cried and and with my mum she wasn't strict mm-hmm. but I just had this huge respect for her I didn't yeah. smoke after that and she didn't have to be strict and there was just pure respect for her because she naturally took that approach of being more compassionate and yeah. and listening so that's um, great you, you grew up in that environment now, I grew up in an environment with great parents as well I don't think they had like a framework or a philosophy that they're doing they're just doing what their parents yeah. did and um you know, there's a lot of love in our household and a lot of support. And uh, so I think that kind of really gave me a lot leg up. And I think about when I provide for my child, I want to make sure their needs are are kept. And then that there's just more than ample enough love. Mm. And those are like really the only two things I worry about. Everything else is just kind of like, you know, like distractions from the reality of, of what's important. And then you know, with that love and, and with like having her needs met, then she can do what she wants to do in life, you know, yeah. and it's kind of on her. I'm not going to push her to be, you know, a doctor or amazing person. Like she's got to find her own pathway in. And hopefully I just foster an environment where she has, you know, enough of that foundational confidence of, of, of love, really, that she'll be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as a parent, for me, it's, it's, it's scary around, you know, the suicide statistics yeah. around young people and, and is that kind of the approach that you're taking that you can just do as much as you possibly can and you know but she's also got 
to find her own feet. As yeah, well. I mean, I can't. I don't want her to live my life or the life that I want her to live. I want her to live her own life. Mm. You know, she wants to be a trapeze artist, or she wants to be a street performer, or she wants to be, you know, stay-at-home mom, or she wants to be an engineer, or mm. you know, politician, or whatever it is. Like, I, I want her to live her own life and build her own legacy, and and uh, you know, like I want to be a good support system for her if mm. she needs it, but. And tell terrible jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of like influencers now, you kind of, you know, you, you're an entrepreneur. What, what are you seeing maybe, what do you think influencers need to do more of um, to better their business, but also maybe better their Im impact with, with their audience? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's really challenging because like I do view that like influencers essentially is, is a business and you have to make decisions that, that drive the business. We had a good conversation with Aaron Marino where he talked about like how to develop the right thumbnail and, and title so that his videos would be viewed and so that his channel would grow and that his, you know, the partners that he worked with will be happy with the results. And um, he needs to do that to put food on the table, yeah. you know? So it's like you have to find this balance of, of being able to put food on the table and, and support the YouTube channel or support the, the content that you create. And then also like being true to yourself and, and producing content that you believe in. And, you know, a big thing for us is our taglines keep on growing. And that's built around our core values of freedom, hunger, and trust. And, and with every order that people order from Beard Brand, we have this little field note size booklet. And in there it says like hunger, freedom, and trust. And like what does hunger mean to you? And what does freedom mean to you? And kind of ask them questions to kind of help them think the right way. Uh, or think in a way of, of self-improvement. And then the, the journal is a, a way for them to write their notes and to, I mean, they can put grocery notes on there if they want, or they can be like, you know, here's my thought of the day. Or So it's not almost like you're just selling a, a product about, you know, people might hear it and say, oh, well, they're selling products for beard. It's almost yeah. like you're trying to help men better themselves. Yeah, I mean, so, well. so it goes back to that story that we started this conversation with is like the whole, the whole experience of beard brand is like when I grew my beard, I finally felt like I was myself. Mm. I finally felt like I was the person I was meant to be. All this other time I was like in the shadow or I was, you know, doing something because society wanted me to be a certain way. And it was through growing a beard and then subsequently through grooming that beard, right? And investing in that beard that my life turned around. Mm. I, you know, I wouldn't say that the life was in a bad spot. It was always in a pretty good spot. Do you think that's like an identity? Like it was almost like your identity that you was kind of hiding away from and then you become that person? Yeah. And it, so... Yeah, exactly. Like, this is who I am now. Like, I've got facial hair, whether it's short or long. Like, I, I view myself as a bearded guy. But, but with that confidence through that grooming, um, I've been able to, to achieve great things. And, and I, because that was so imp impactful to, for me, like, Beard Brand was always about uniting the community. It was never about, like, how do I sell products or how do I make money or, mm -hmm. you know, what's the opportunity on Amazon? It was like, we want to foster confidence through grooming. And some of that means education. That's why we have a thousand videos on YouTube to, mm. to help educate people and help give them guidance on how to groom things. You don't even have to buy products from us to experience Beard Brand, to keep on growing. You can watch the content, you can read our blogs. And then if, if you want the products and, and, and you felt like they brought value to your life or Beard Brand brought value to your life, that means so much to me that, that they would choose to spend their resources that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm on this mission. I, I strongly believe that if we can get men to invest in themselves through grooming, that they're going to become, they're going to love themselves more. They're going to become better partners. They're going to become better fathers. They're going to become better 
employees and leaders in their businesses, and they're going to, to, to become better community leaders. Mm-hmm. And then when you have this collectively, it's like this grassroots things where all, all the guys are getting better and better and better and better, and then society as a whole gets better. Because mm-hmm. the reality is, like, you know, you talk about mental health. It's like, I can't go to someone and be like, I want to fix your mental health. Yeah. Like, you've got to do it. Yeah. And uh, I get emails every single day from guys who are like, thank you so much for your content because like this was like my wake up call or I went through a divorce and then I grew my beard and uh, or I started investing in myself and I, you know, I turned my life. It's almost like the the stepping stone, isn't it? Yeah. It's like similar to exercise, for example, you know, you sometimes you get into exercise and it's the first step to then bettering yourself. Yeah. And so like is exactly right like there's companies that do it through exercise and some that do it through apparel and yeah. some that do it through um i don't know other products like yeah. shoes or whatever like you know nike and, and just do it and athletics and uh but we do it through grooming mm-hmm. and uh you know not everyone's going to go on the same pathway some some it is through grooming some it is through bodybuilding some it yeah. is through um you know better sleep habits or, or whatever yeah. maybe and how did um so the exchange that we just had in the restaurant, obviously you're not from around here and someone stopped you and said, hey, oh, yeah. hey Eric from Beer Brand. And you're like, oh yeah. yeah. Um, how does that make you feel? And did you ever expect that when you first started creating content? Oh, I love it. You know, like I, I certainly have an ego, uh, like everyone. Uh, I just am more proud to admit that I have <laughs> one. So it, for me, it does feel good when, when people recognize me in public. And uh, I always wish that if someone recognizes me, feel free to, to come up and say hello. And it was even more special because every time I hang out with Aaron Marino, <laughs> it's always someone coming up to say hello to Aaron. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, hey, you just know, I got straight eat. past Aaron and yeah. came straight up to Yeah, you. I got a YouTube channel. So, like, you know, I was around, like, these great, like, notable, incredible people and and uh, that I was, granted, I'm wearing a beard brand hat, so it kind of helps a little. But also, you say about your ego and that it feels great, but then when we were having breakfast the other morning, you said that you'd be happy to step away from the channel. Yeah. You'd be happy to... Walk away from that limelight a little bit and get someone else in there. Yeah, you know, it's it's like my passion in life, uh, as I talked about in my talk, is, you know, freedom, hunger, and trust are the things that really drive me. And, you know, that's more than self-recognition and that's more than, like, being famous and that's more than, you know, like, buying cars mm-hmm. and materialism and stuff like that. So uh, something that allows me to be free, um, that allows me to explore the world and spend time with the people that I love and to work on the projects that I love. Mm. Uh, I always put that a higher priority um, of um, fame and fortune, but yeah. uh, it's not to say I don't want fame and fortune. Now, I know you've it's got definitely get, on the list, but it's yeah, just yeah, lower it's just priority. Another, yeah, yeah, of course. Now, I know you've got to get a flight, so um, I'm going to end it with two questions. The first question is, if someone wants to be a YouTuber or an influencer and you know they say it's the, the job that everyone wants, um, growing up now, um, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, you just got to do it. You know, like that's, I think that's the biggest roadblock for so many people is like, you talk a talk, you know, but you're not walking the walk and like, you don't know. So just start. Yeah, just start. You know, like you guys should watch my early content. It was terrible. And the great thing about creating content early on is like, no one's watching yourself. Let's yeah. be real. So you can make those mistakes. And like the one or two people who watch it, they're more likely to give you input and feedback and you take that feedback and you make it better and make it better and make it better. And then by the time you've got 10,000 subscribers or 5,000 subscribers or 100,000 subscribers, you've learned a lot of those things and you're making better content. Mm. And then that kind of like elevates you and elevates you and elevates you. And that's a great tip as well. I think if if you want to become an influencer is, is 
don't go and look at your videos now. Like go back to your oldest videos and compare yourself to yeah you back then. Well, and yeah, you know? compare yourself to yourself. Yeah. Don't compare yourself to like Peter McKinnon and Casey Neistat and yeah. Marquis Brownlee. Because and then you Amber. won't start, will you? Because it's just because yeah. And then, well, and how many videos have they created? You know, and how much have they learned over the years? Yeah. And then the the final question is. With mental health, you've touched on it a little bit here and as well, you know, if someone is maybe struggling with, with mental health, what advice would you give to them? Aside from maybe growing a beard, because there might yeah. be women watching this as well. Well, I, you know, I've actually written a book that uh, that I would I'd give them. I, I can send you the PDF yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can send it out if you want, but it's, That'd be uh, great. it's, it's the same size as the field notes. And, and the purpose of it is uh, the, the book's called The Book of Reminders. So it's nine reminders that I've written that kind of helped me on my journey. From kind of, and it's kind of taken through like your birth through your death and like, you know, the various topics of like, don't be a martyr, but also don't be a victim, you know, just focus on love and focus on your breath, kind of like meditation and things like that. So, you know, I, I would encourage them to, to read the book and, and kind of get, bring themselves. And daily back. reminders. So you'd recommend to do something every day just to kind of gradually yeah you know it's just like you're going to face adversity in all different types of ways so there's not one type of tip that i can give you i mean the first thing that i tell you is just breathe like just focus on your yeah, breath yeah, like yeah. just bring it in and like bring everything everything in and then you know another good tip is like you know is this going to matter in one minute 10 minutes a year or a month or whatever 10 years and like where does it stop if this doesn't matter in 10 minutes then why are you worried about mm. it you know but if this is something that it's going to affect you for 10 years. And yeah, you put more energy and time into it. Amazing. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, I'll link up to everything that you've done and I'm sure they'll find you anyway. But let's let's end it with a joke. Okay. A terrible oh, joke. Oh. A terrible joke that's not offensive. Okay, I, I'll, do the, well, I'll do the one that I already told you. because I, I know Not the really good. long one. No, not, not the really long one. <laughs> so um, you already know the punchline, which spoils all the fun. <laughs> Because uh, all my is, other yeah, all my yeah. other ones are inappropriate, but what did uh, what did the male fruit fly say to the female fruit fly when they were hungry? I don't know. Let's go on a date. So, yeah. You know, get you, it like no. You mean, so you, you get it like a judge. date, like two yeah, people yeah. go out and they eat food. Yeah. But also a date like a like a thing that grows on a tree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll leave it up to the those to decide whether or not it's funny. I think your your way of telling it always makes it funny. But no, thank yeah, you, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It.